Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Digital transformation is the top priority of China's 14th five-year plan. Having built a solid foundation for its digital economy, Beijing wants to reach the next phase, integrate digital technologies with the real economy, society, and government functions to drive economic upgrading and modernize the Chinese Communist Party's governance capabilities. Beijing's vision, however, does not stop at home. It is global and builds on a decades-long strategic approach toward internet infrastructure in the global south. Blending diplomacy, industrial policy, and state credit, the Chinese government has sustained the race of Chinese telecommunications firms to market dominance. For example, it is estimated that Huawei has built roughly 70% of all 4G networks on the African continent. Through a partnership plan Beijing proposed in August 2021, it now seeks to deepen its engagement with African partners on information and communication technologies even further and reap the benefits of the continent's digital revolution, spanning industrial applications of emerging technologies, regulatory cooperation, and the digitalization of public services like transport and healthcare. My name is Johannes Heller-Jon, and to make sense of the CCP's vision for digital transformation and e-government, its promotion of this vision in the Global South, and the implications for Europe, I'm joined by Rebecca Asesati, analyst at Merix, focusing on China's digital and technology policies. She recently published a Merix Primer titled E-Governance and COVID-19, Digital China Goes Global. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me, Johannes. The Chinese government has embraced digital technologies in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic, enlisting the private tech industry to supply data-driven solutions. Given the success of the campaign, Beijing feels vindicated in its commitment to tech-driven governance. The concept of smart governance is, not surprisingly, a key tenet of Xi Jinping's vision for ruling the country. Could you elaborate on what is meant by smart governance? This is a great question, and I start by going back to a speech that General Secretary Xi Jinping gave in October last year uh, during a Politburo study session on the digital economy. Those sessions are, of course, behind closed doors, but a detailed excerpt of that speech was published by the CCP's bi-weekly theory and ideology journal, Qiu uh, Shi. It's a fascinating speech that shows just how holistically uh, Beijing thinks about the transformative impact that the internet and technologies such as AI and big data are having on national socioeconomic development, as well as on global competition. She spoke of the need to ensure the integrated development of the real economy and the digital economy. Essentially, this is the red threat that characterizes China's digital strategy. He also gave himself credit for proposing the construction of a digital China, a major task outlined in the 14th five-year plan, part of which involves the creation of a so-called smart society. Basically, this is about integrating digital technologies even further into every aspect of China's development and governance. The National Informatization Plan, which is the party state's development and governance blueprint for the digital sphere for the next five years provides more details. China's leaders essentially believe that digital technologies are a panacea for solving governance challenges from inequalities between urban and rural areas to the quality and inclusivity of public services such as health and elderly care. However, uh, providing convenient public services isn't the only component of smart data-driven governance under Xi. 
The other dimension is what the informatization plan calls digital social governance, which essentially refers to the modernization of public security and stability maintenance work through ICT and emerging technologies. In other words, public welfare and social control should go hand in hand. And this may seem contradictory, of course, from a European perspective, but the CCP sees no contradiction between these two imperatives. Could you maybe go into a little bit more detail on, on how these concepts ensure the, the CCP's ruling position? So smart governance um, is one of the five governances, a concept proposed by Xi in uh, 2019 at the 18th Party Congress. The idea is that by relying on new technologies and data, uh, the latter a strategic resource that China's government has defined as a new factor of production, the CCP can rule more efficiently by optimizing social and political control. In other words, the party state hopes that by leveraging AI, big data and other technologies, it can identify, even predict and address any risks that may endanger social stability, hence the CCP's survival in power. These risks encompass anything from public health crisis, like uh, the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, to protests and other forms of social unrest. Take the construction of smart cities, as an example, which is very much something that Xi Jinping is personally invested in through these data heavy uh, networked urban management systems, you can make government administration more efficient, um, energy usage more sustainable, but you can also deploy round the clock surveillance. To be sure, smart city as a concept did not originate from China. A U.S. company, IBM, actually introduced it into China in 2009. But the point is that it gained a huge traction in China because it was just what Chinese leaders were looking for. If we turn from the domestic to the international, uh, what digital solutions did Chinese tech firms export to governments in the global south following the outbreak of COVID-19? And do these exports align with Beijing's strategic goals? Um, I actually began looking into Chinese COVID-19 related tech exports a couple of years ago when everyone was sort of paying attention to um, the PRC's so-called mask diplomacy. And it was interesting to see how in parallel with the exports and donations of personal protective equipment from China, Chinese tech firms were also stepping in to supply various kinds of solutions for containing the spread of the virus. These ranged from drones used to spray disinfectants and force curfews to um, cloud uh, and video conferencing platforms for healthcare institutions or thermal imaging cameras used for, to detect people with a fever. And in fewer cases, we also saw uh, AI powered uh, diagnostic tools being supplied to foreign hospitals. Now, as the private sector and its technologies were instrumental to China's fight against COVID-19, it's unsurprising that the companies that made this possible saw an opportunity to, to essentially export their solutions. Coincidentally, um, and numerous Chinese scholars actually uh, pointed this out, this also provided new impetus uh, to the digital Silk Road or the technology-focused component of the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, penetrating and eventually dominating uh, digital markets, infrastructure and ecosystems can grant China geoeconomic and geopolitical advantages, especially uh, in the developing world. You already mentioned the Digital Silk Road 
um, and, and maybe we can go a little bit more into detail on that. So uh, what does the Chinese government seek to achieve by supporting the digitalization in the developing world? The digital Silk Road is essentially the Chinese government's idea and vision for a global connectivity network uh, centered on China. Unlike the European Union, um, which has only recently begun to integrate the digital dimension into its foreign and connectivity policy, for Beijing being able to gain control over a larger portion of global ICT networks was always the strategic goal. I think Chinese leaders were faster than many others uh, at realizing that all infrastructure ultimately will be digital. Digital infrastructure isn't just the undersea cables that carry um, our internet traffic or most of our internet traffic. There are also smart grids, the application of uh, 5G to land and maritime logistics, urban management systems. So the Internet of Things is increasingly fusing the digital and the physical domains together. And this idea of the fusion between virtual and physical very much underpins the CCP's strategic thinking about cyberspace. The Global South is where Internet bandwidth growth has been the fastest over the past few years. And this means greater demand for data centers, cloud solutions, it also means huge market opportunities in consumer and government technology applications, as well as tremendous potential for technological innovation. A key market for China is Africa, where ICT vendors like Huawei and ZTE have already built much of the existing ICT infrastructure, often aided by China's state credit, so loans by China's policy banks. Um, of course, beside the economic case for bridging the digital divide in, in uh, regions like Africa, there are also political, diplomatic and strategic gains for China that could arise from the creation of essentially digital ecosystems that depend on Chinese technology. For example, more uh, opportunities for data collection, intelligence collection or support for Beijing's preferred um, digital governance rules. This is really important in times of sharpening contestation with the U.S. Um, and also with other democracies in this area. You recently published Americ's Primer titled E-Governance and COVID-19, Digital China Goes Global, as mentioned in the introduction. You um, brought up a few case studies there in which you explained that Chinese firms do not just telecommunication infrastructure, but also play a role in digitalizing public services like health and education. Could you go into a bit more detail on that? Yeah, sure. I think this has been a, an overlooked dimension of China's digital engagement with the developing world. Uh, following the outbreak of COVID-19, Chinese diplomats were uh, very proactive in basically saying to foreign countries, we have a successful experience in containing uh, the public health crisis through digital technologies that we can share with you. Cooperation in public sector digitalization is now mentioned more frequently in official pronouncements and policy documents. For example, last July, a multi-ministry guideline on foreign investment and cooperation in the digital economy encouraged Chinese tech firms to cooperate with BRI countries, Belt and Road countries, on e-government and telemedicine. Of course, these projects already existed before, 
For example, ZTE, one of China's largest ICT companies, opened a smart health monitoring center with the African Union Commission back in 2017. Now, because the pandemic has pushed so many government and public services online, Beijing sees momentum for deepening uh, this cooperation. This is consistent also with China's discourse at the UN, particularly as it pertains to global cyber governance, where China essentially presents itself as a responsible power promoting sustainable digital development and inclusion in the global south. Now, while the developmental impact should be assessed project by project, um, ICT infrastructure and uh, the digitalization of public administrations, urban management, education uh, can greatly benefit developing economies. However, there are a range of implications that should be assessed uh, from data security to regulation and governance and even, even civil rights. Um, taking data security as an example, last year a Huawei built government data center was opened in Senegal, backed by a 70 million euros loan from China's Exim Bank. This means um, exposing sensitive data to potential access uh, by a high-risk vendor, which has close ties uh, with the Chinese Communist Party. And there's also a question whether China's approach to smart governance, which we spoke about earlier, may inspire other countries. In the primer, there's a timeline that shows how China has, over the past few years, really um, double down the promotion of, of cooperation and the sharing of policy experiences in such areas as, as smart city cooperation, poverty reduction through digital means, as well as uh, the governance and regulation of data and the digital sphere. And I think COVID-19 really provided an opportunity and a window for China to promote its, its approach to data-driven governance globally. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this is an approach where surveillance and benign uses of technology are often indistinguishable. In December 2021, the European Commission and the High Representative of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy unveiled the Global Gateway, an initiative that aims to boost smart, clean and secure links in digital energy and transport sectors and to strengthen health, education and research systems across the world. For that purpose, the EU institutions and member states will provide 300 billion euro between 2021 and 2027. What does China's engagement in the global south and the digital sector mean for the Global Gateway Initiative and the EU in general? So the Global Gateway, which, as you mentioned, is essentially the EU's new global connectivity strategy, may finally bring, I think, a clearer response and an alternative to China's uh, digital Silk Road, because it really prioritizes digital connectivity in a way that we hadn't seen before um, in the EU's previous efforts to have a connectivity strategy. It combines infrastructure, regulatory cooperation, um, capacity building, and cooperation on digital innovation and research with developing and emerging economies. A big focus of this is the African continent, just in February, Commissioner uh, Margarete Vestager uh, announced a new investment package and digital cooperation plan with Nigeria, uh, for example. So Africa really is uh, a big focus of the Global Gateway. There's also a clearer linkage between connectivity, development cooperation and digital policy, which was missing in previous attempts to, to articulate a coherent and also impactful strategy. Of course, the goal here shouldn't be just to compete with everything China is doing, but rather to build on European strengths, really. Um, 
One example uh, is that Europe is home to leading telecommunication equipment and service providers, including, for example, companies that build uh, optical fiber cables. It also has immense regulatory experience in such areas as uh, cybersecurity and uh, data security and data privacy, which it can share um, through capacity building efforts with uh, partners around the world. It's also important that the Global Gateway identifies and targets local needs in developing countries. So the choice of projects and priorities will be absolutely crucial. Chinese projects can be beneficial so long as they enable sustainable development and good governance in third countries. Smart grids, uh, green data centers, uh, smart city platforms for managing uh, traffic congestion in big cities, um, or some telemedicine initiatives. These are all areas where I think cooperation between Chinese and European actors could be explored. However, I think we should also keep in mind that China's state-led vision for digital transformation and governance and what the EU calls a human-centric vision for uh, digital transition are ultimately incompatible with one another uh, as they reflect very different political values. Inevitably, some governments will find China's approach more appealing. What is sure is that Europe stands a greater chance to succeed only if it manages to channel sufficient financial resources into digital projects that serve local needs in different regions and, and countries. Africa is rightfully a priority, but at the same time, I think Europe should also do the same and invest in digital connectivity efforts in the Indo-Pacific, considering that um, the EU has a new Indo-Pacific strategy. And in the region, I think it will be important to cooperate with partners such as Japan, such as the United States, on joint projects and, and partnerships with countries in the region, both focused on building digital infrastructure and on uh, providing capacity building and governance support for the digital transformation. So definitely an area uh, we should be careful to watch any developments going on. Thank you for your time and your insights, Rebecca. Thank you for having me, Johannes. You can find Rebecca's Merix Primer titled E-Governance and COVID-19, Digital China Goes Global on our website. There you can also find other publications by her on similar topics. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.